welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. I want to, before we have our children, Mindy, go down to Children's Church, and we're, uh, we're going to do three things. I'm going to give us a quick revival update. There are several things we need to be praying for as well, and, um, and then uh, I, we, we want to pray for, for Brother Ronnie. Uh, did y'all enjoy revival this past week? And I tell you, what a fantastic, fantastic preacher we have. Would y'all like to invite him back again? I'll tell you, y'all know my two favorite times of church life is VBS and revival. I, those are literally, you, those are the top two things. I think I like those more better Christmas and Easter because it is. Folks get saved. You get to see great, exciting things happen during VBS. Children come to know the Lord as well as certainly during revival. And you know, we all played a big part in that. But that was a, a wonderful week with that. So uh, there's several things I'm going to leave us in a word of prayer that we need to be praying for. First of all, we're going to pray for Brother Ronnie Hill's ministry. You know, he is a Southern Baptist evangelist. He travels around every week, and he goes to different places, and he preaches the gospel. He wants to be in front of lost people because he's, he's a harvester. He knows if lost people are in the building, he's going to clearly and boldly proclaim the gospel, and folks will respond to get saved. So we want to all, definitely be praying for his ministry with that. Not only that, we've, um, uh, in, speaking of Ronnie, I want to, I want to thank you. Do you know our love? We collected a love offering. He goes and works on what he calls a love offering, where it's a, it's a free will gift. And we collected, and we've actually had more come in since then. So if you even want to, did not contribute this past week, you can give today. Uh, just write on your check, Ronnie Hill, uh, almost $5,800 for him. And that is, that is encouraging. I appreciate your all giving to support his ministry. He appreciates it too. He said the way he was treated, I spoke to him on the phone on Friday, he says the way he was treated by our church was the best in about three years. So that's, uh, that's very encouraging for us and for us uh, flying him up here, putting him up in a hotel across the street and uh, just loving on him and letting him know how much we appreciate him uh, for that with everything. But we want to continue. Um, to do, and I want you to know you're giving to our church you know, we, uh, he was very impressed with all the, how we serve food and how much we serve for food with that. So uh, your giving to our church pays for that food. So your faithfulness to Broadway ma- makes that, uh, enables us to be able to fly someone up from Fort Worth and to be able to serve, serve our community like we did. Another thing we need to be praying for, we'll pray for Brother Ronnie Hill. We've, unfortunately, we've got a couple of folks in our church with COVID. Brother Hurd called me yesterday. He has, he has been, he tested positive. Brother Hurd, is, he turns 90 years old next month. So we want to be praying for Brother Hurd. Yeah, he was up here every day at Revival. You, you all know him. He's the most faithful, faithful person and uh, loves the Lord. And um, you know, The thing about COVID is by the time you realize you're positive, he's already getting better. So he said Friday he felt worse than on Saturday. And Saturday he was doing better. But he's in quarantine right now, so we definitely will be lifting him up in prayer. Also, we want to pray for Jeff Harris. He's one of our Sunday school teachers. He also has COVID. He teaches Sunday school in the choir room. So he's in quarantine, and he was feeling bad on Thursday, but by Friday, he was already feeling better. So we want to lift up both of those men um, uh, as well. Someone else we need to be praying for, Innocent here, goes every Saturday morning. He goes and preaches the gospel downtown. He was attacked yesterday. This just shows you... Um, when you go and you do street preaching or you go out in the community and you witness to folks, not everyone is receptive. 
And so, uh, Innocent, we're glad you're okay from that. I know that was quite an ordeal. So we will um, uh, we'll be, be lifting you up. And I want to encourage you as a church family to don't give up even when you receive pushback for something like that. Another blessing in our church we will be praying for this week is we have a group staying here in our church. They're from California. And the reason they're not here right now is they're, um, they're ministering. They're having a church service at 1030 this morning cross street at Keeneland because it's during the fall meet. And they're meeting over there with the jockeys. And they're uh, holding a church service. They came and they're staying in, in our building and using our showers and our facilities. And then they're, every day they're going over there and they're ministering to folks. How exciting is that? That we're a base for them. They came from for, it's right outside Fresno, California. So they can go minister to folks uh, here at Keeneland. So they're on their fall mission trip for that. So we're going to pray for those four things. We're going to pray for Ronnie Hill. We're going to pray for uh, the folks battling COVID. Uh, for sure, we're going to give praise that the Lord kept innocent safe, as well as we're going to pray for this church called Set Free Church as they minister at Keeneland. So let's bow our heads and pray for all of those. God, we come to you right after revival. What an exciting week. What great things you're doing here at Broadway Baptist Church. Lord, we thank you for Brother Ronnie Hill and the gospel message he boldly proclaimed. Lord, I thank you for the folks who were saved, those that made decisions the generous offering we are able to support his ministry. Lord, I just pray he continues to see fruit as he just goes from city to city. As he's preaching, I know, this Sunday in Texas, he told me. Just pray for him this morning. That you just give him the words to say and that people are ready to respond. Lord, I just pray that you just help our church continue in a state of revival and seeing a great move by you. Lord, we also pray for... Those in our church, especially the two men I know of, Brother Hurd and Jeff Harris, who are battling COVID, thank you that they're slowly already getting better. We just lift them up. We especially pray for Brother Hurd as he's almost 90 years old and has been so faithful and diligent not to get it, and here he is. He's already got it. And we just lift him up and pray for him and his family. Pray it doesn't spread to Marguerite or any of their other family members. Lord, we also pray for Jeff Harris. He doesn't spread his family, that he continues to improve as well. It doesn't spread to Miss Oga. Lord, we give praise for innocent Keddy, who came yesterday morning to downtown Lexington preaching the gospel, and he met hostility. We pray for those that attacked him and destroyed his equipment. We just pray that through his love and kindness that they will turn to the gospel. We pray for those that oppose us because we love you. Lord, I just lift up Innocent and his family and pray you embolden him. I think about the book of Acts. When Peter and John were thrown in prison, they met resistance. They became even bolder in their faith. They didn't back down. Lord, we know our home is not here on earth. It's in heaven. And there's a lot of people here in our wonderful city who do not want to hear the gospel. Because the gospel, Jesus, you change lives. And Lord, we just... Pray and just pray you strengthen innocent. And Lord, we also pray for our church that's staying here. Set Free Church out of California. Lord, they're staying in our church as a base on their fall mission trip to Keeneland. Lord, I pray for the thousands of people right now just cross street at Keeneland. That they've come here for all sorts of reasons. But Lord, we pray these 11 folks will be sharing the gospel. And especially with the jockeys and those in the horse racing industry. That Lord, we will have a witness among that mission field right here in Lexington. Lord, I pray you embolden them, especially give Pastor Jake a message to share with them to this morning. Lord, we give you this service and thank you for what you're doing here at our church. Pray for your blessing and pray, thank you that our revival continues in spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen and amen. All right, we have children's church. Miss Mindy, will you stand up and raise your hand over there? If you are a child, what do you want to say, through fifth grade, we'll cut it off at fifth grade, you come run on down, and you are going downstairs to children's church. Children's church meets in room C1. And parents, when it's over, you'll go downstairs over here and pick up your little people from children's church. Miss Mindy, you've got some more customers coming, and then we will... Uh, we will see you soon in a little bit. If you have your Bibles, for those of you upstairs, you want to open up your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 through 15. Well, also, I've got a lot of scripture today, but I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it up on the board uh, so you all have to flip around in your Bibles to that. I want to tell you what this message is about. about. Uh, you're in a warning point because... We always have a great revival. You always see the Holy Spirit move. I mean, think about it. We just finished our 40 days of prayer on Thursday, praying for the follow-up. And uh, so many folks have all been messaging me, encouraging me about our church family praying together for the Lord to move for the past 40 days. And a lot of times when you do something great, you tend to think, all right, we're done. Thank goodness revival's over. That was exhausting. Cooked plenty of food, watched some children, dealt with all sorts of stuff. Preacher went, got back home safely. It's time to get back to normal. And that's the danger thinking right there, of getting back to normal. God does not want you to return to back to normal. Because I believe normal in many of our lives, normal is not where we need to be. We want to live. We want to have an attitude of a state of, Lord, I, I'm yours. I don't want this to end. I want to continue experiencing spiritual renewal. Spiritual renewal is what the Lord wants in your life. I want to tell you for a saved person what revival means. This is what revival looks like. All of a sudden you have a joy for coming to church. You start giving. I know y'all gave. We gave a great offering to our evangelists. You're fired up about inviting folks to church. You want to be here. You want to study your Bible. You think, why does 40 days of prayer have to end? I'll start another 40 days. Go find another prayer guide. Sherry Oz and I have already found one. A prayer guide we're going to be going through in the next 40 days. It just, if you live in this state of constantly thinking, what is next? I don't want this to end. But I want to warn you, the devil wants you to think, okay, we're done with that event. Back to normal. Get back in your old routines. Church, just back how it used to be. And you get in the same rut that you once, you once were living in. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God wants you to know that does not have to be you. And I think we're going to see the example from this, from the book of Daniel. In fact, I think last time I preached here, two weeks ago, I referenced this passage, and I liked it so much, I thought I just need to go, keep going back to it. So I want to read here what's going on. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. He is a lost man. He's a self-centered man. He's someone who does not know the Lord. And he had gone and captured the Israelites. because, But God told them this was going to happen. So they are now living in what they call exile. 1,500 miles from home. Babylon represents, or is currently, where we are at in America. Babylon is a picture of just lostness. It's secularization. You can live your life, go to school, go to work, watch TV, and never 
be encountered by anything godly. Nothing about Jesus, no scripture. You're just going about your life in a state of a secular mindset. That is Babylon. Book of Revelation talks about Babylon. We live in Babylon, where your culture all around you is getting more and more drifting away from God. And what's happened is there's these uh, four Hebrew boys, one named Daniel, but today we're going to focus on Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were faithful to the Lord. They were Hebrews. They were in a foreign land, and they were expected to worship this 90-foot statue that Nebuchadnezzar built. And what's ironic about this is there was a queue. And on the queue, they were all supposed to bow down and worship the statue. And how, what, how this is important for us, this ties in with conformity. Because what happens is after the great movement of God, you, kinda, you drift back into what we might call normal. And you start conforming to how you're supposed to behave. Okay, you're, we're, at, we're at a revival, we're back to normal, and now we're going to get back in our routine. Fall breaks over. The devil's just waiting. You say, okay, we're, we're done with that. Ronnie went back to, he went back to Texas. Now, let's get back to where we were at. And that's what we see here. They are pressured to conform and to be like everyone else in Babylon. But these three men refuse to do it. And what the main principle we see here is our culture's sights, sounds, and our, the expectations of our culture, it shape how we are to respond. All right? You think of that. Our culture's sights, sounds, and expectations shape how we're to respond. Because that's what we're about to see. You keep that in mind as we read this. All right, Daniel chapter 3, verse 4. A herald. So, the, so they have a cue, what they're to do. There's this 90-foot statue all the Babylonians are going to bow down to. So there ha- there, there's a certain cue, the sound. They know what they're supposed to do. And here's the game plan. A herald loudly proclaimed, People of every nation and language, you are commanded. So it's a command. It's a law. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre and harp, drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship it will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. So you got it? You hear the music. You hear the sounds of the culture. The herald's going to blow and toot the horn and play our instruments. And what do you do? You bow down and worship the statue. Do y'all see what's happening? We're being told, you are going to do this. Doesn't matter who you are. Everybody here is going to do it. And if you don't do it, you're going to die. I want to tell you, could that be us one day? Could we live in that culture where we're told what to do, and if we don't do it, there's great consequences. So let's see what these guys do. Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, notice how it keeps going back to the sound. You heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre. And in verse 7, the harp and every kind of music, people of every nation and language fell down 
and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So here they're, 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 fall, they're falling right in line. They're worshiping the statue. The first commandment, I'm preaching on this tonight, tells us we are not to worship any other God. There's only one God we worship. That's Yahweh in the Bible. And that's the Father of Jesus. He's our Creator. We do not bow down and worship other things. That's not what we do. So this is wrong to do this, to bow down and worship this statue. So we have a problem here, because not everybody did this. Some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. I want you to understand what's going on here. Anytime you don't obey, you will have tattletales. That's right. We have to, someone's going to report you. Someone's going to take a picture. It will be on Facebook. You will be quickly notified if there's a problem. You don't fall in line, you're going to get in trouble. So the Chaldeans are our tattletales. They, they notice some Jew, Jews here aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And this is, of course, you always butter up your king. You approach him and says, May you king, you live forever. You, as king, have issued a decree that everyone who hears, look at this, the sound. It keeps going back to the sound. That's what we hear. The sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. But whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a fire, a, a furnace of blazing fire. But there are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you. Notice they didn't name Daniel. The reason why is because Daniel, in earlier chapter 4, interpreted a dream. Nebuchadnezzar liked Daniel. So you go after Daniel's three friends here. And Daniel would have been right there with them as well. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. So we have a dilemma right here. So look what happens. Verse 13. So we're going to read these next couple of verses. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? Because surely this isn't true. You aren't willing to die for this, are you? I've built this magnificent statue Aren't you going to be like everyone else? Look at the cultural, societal pressure to conform. You need to fit in with everyone else. Guys? Now, if you're ready, now look at this question. Don't, this is the main verse. Nebuchadnezzar looks at these three young men and says, Now, if you're ready, if you're ready, almost getting us in, in cue, getting us ready to perform the sin. Now if you're ready, when you hear the sound, look at this, the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, drum, harp, and every kind of music fall face down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Says Nebuchadnezzar. I want to stop right there. There it is. The question Nebuchadnezzar asked, and I believe that we are asked this today, now if you're ready, what he's talking about, are you ready 
to fall back in line and conform to the lost culture and go along to get along that we serve. You, you think about how we're ready today to do this. One of the great sins is not offending people. No one wants to offend other people. You don't want to say something or do something that's offensive. That's a cultural taboo. Think about another one. When we don't want to offend other people, what happens is we begin thinking and acting like other folks. If we are in this mindset of thinking and acting like everyone else, we are conforming. The problem with this is what Paul writes in Romans 12.2. He tells us, do not be conformed to this age, but, by, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is. There is this pressure that if you don't consciously Seek renewal. You will be conformed. We are surrounded by Nebuchadnezzar's who's telling us, all right, are you ready? Are you ready to bow down? And folks, I'm not talking about wearing a mask or COVID. I'm talking about accepting things, believing things that go against the Scriptures. I'm talking about you accepting homosexuality. Let me give you an example with homosexuality. Let's think about Lot. Remember the story of Lot in Sodom? It's back in, you don't need to turn there, but it's back in Genesis chapter 19. Abraham goes to the promised land. And he's got a little nephew over here called Lot. And he's brought up on a big mountain. And God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, look over all the land here. You pick where you want to live, and Lot can go live somewhere else. Like, y'all just divide up your land. So, Abraham, being a giving man, he gave Lot the option. He says, Lot, where do you want to live? So, Lot took what they called the plain, the desert area. So, he took his family and his herdsmen, and he went down to these cities on the plain called Sodom and Gomorrah. And he went down there and he lived and Abraham went the opposite way. That way there are animals and everybody could get along. You didn't have internal fighting. Plenty of grazing land. Everyone's happy with this plan. Well, the problem with that is Lot goes into these cities. A city called Sodom. And the people there were wicked. It was an immoral city. They practiced the sin of homosexuality. And God decided he was going to destroy this city. So he sent two angels into the city to rescue Lot and his family. The reason why he did that is because Lot was related to Abraham. Lot really wasn't the most righteous guy. But because the Lord loved and had chosen Abraham, and Lot was related to Abraham, that was basically his salvation. So these angels go in there to check out the city to see how wicked it is, as well as to rescue Lot and his family. Lot had three girls, and he had a wife, and all three of his daughters were engaged to be married. And the boys they were going to marry were not righteous boys. They weren't good guys. They laughed at their father-in-law. 
And I'm not going to go into the whole story, but y'all can read that maybe this afternoon. It's in Genesis chapter 19, if you ever want to read it. But the Bible says there that immorality was about to occur, and the angels blinded the men of the city. And the men of the city decided it's time to get out of here. It's time to leave. And this is an amazing Bible verse. Now, Lot, he's related to Abraham. He knows the Lord. He's aware of God. He knows these are angels. But the Bible says here, in Genesis 19.16, I think I have it up here on the screen. When the angel came to pull Lot and get him out of the city with his family, the he there is Lot. It says in verse 16, but he hesitated. Folks, he hesitated. Why did Lot hesitate? Why couldn't, I mean, surely, if you knew God was going to destroy Lexington, like an atomic bomb is going to go off, everybody's going to die in this whole county, would you not leave? Like, you worship the Lord. Abraham, your uncle, worships the Lord. God has told you, if you stay here, you will die. We'd be, if you couldn't drive your car, you'd be running out of the city. You would get out of here as fast as you can. But Lot couldn't do it. He hesitated. Why would he? I want to tell you why he hesitated. Because Sodom had a grip on him. Sodom, the men of the city, the Sodomites, the folks who lived there, that mindset, that thinking, the love for that city, it had begun to creep into his own life and his beliefs. He believed the men of the city before he believed the angels. And he knew these were angels. The, the angels had blinded the men. They had performed a miracle. I mean, surely these two men from the Lord, they blinded all the people of the city. Wouldn't you think, well, maybe these people are from God. You know, Maybe I should listen to them if they're able to do that. But he couldn't. It says there, the Lord's compassion. Like, Lord's like thinking, Lot, come on. The Lord had compassion on Lot. And it says the men grabbed his hand and said, I know you're not going to come with me. So, I, Lot, I'm just going to drag you and your wife and your daughters out of the city. The son-in-laws didn't even make it. They laughed at their father-in-law. They th the Bible says they thought he was joking. And I think the principle for us, when you get conformed, when you start thinking like you're living in Sodom, when you've confused to what sin is, and you don't know what's right or wrong, a lot of times it takes God coming and grabbing your hand because you're hesitant. Because the reason you're hesitant is everyone around you thinks just like you. How could it be wrong? This is the right thing to do. They're not bad people. Lord, He's a loving God. Surely He wouldn't do this. That's the biggest lie that a lot of people believe about sin. They believe God is love. The Bible tells us he, we have a loving God. But we have to remember, we have a God and we, we serve a God who hates sin. And He will judge sin. There is a consequence to sin. And when you're living in a city such as Sodom, there's this hesitancy to leave. And many times in our life, the Lord, just like Lot, He has to grab His hand 
And his daughters and wife said, come on, we're getting out. Because you won't do it on your own. God has to, in many ways, rescue you from your own city and your own thinking. God has to rescue you from Lexington, Kentucky. So what are you, what are you talking about? Rescue us. The conformity, the thinking, the sinfulness, the immorality all around us. Do you know, Ronnie Hill told me, he says, Dan, you, you all have an alcohol problem in this city. You know, the bourbon industry, it might be great for jobs, but it's destroying families. Alcoholism destroys lives. And what happens is something, an outsider comes in and goes, gosh, there's just a lot of liquor stores. The bourbon business, every single restaurant, you can't get away from it everywhere you go. And we just get accustomed to it. We don't even think anymore. This creates jobs. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's just, that's how it is here in the bluegrass. You know what Keeneland really is? It's gambling. That's what it is. It's nice over there. There's a lot of activities. But it's, it's gambling. The Bible says we're not to gamble. And what happens in our life, things that we just are so accustomed to, we don't realize. We need to actually be rescued from it. The Lord's compassion needs to take our hand and say, you're getting out of Sodom. You don't need to be thinking this way. You have been polluted. Keep your finger here in Daniel chapter 3. And I want you to flip over in your Bibles to the book of Revelation because this is what's going to happen. This is where we're headed. Not just as a nation, but as a world. Drifting into conformity. We don't realize what's going to occur because when you're in the middle of a storm, you don't realize you're in a storm many ways. When you're in the middle amidst the sin, you don't realize how much you need to be rescued from it. Until a lot of times someone else, an outsider comes and says, what you're doing is wrong. This isn't normal. Look what the Bible says here. Revelation chapter 13, verse 14. This is about what we call the false prophet. This chapter here, Revelation 13 in your Bibles, this is where we see the Antichrist. He is the beast from the sea. And then we have another character who's going to be coming along with him who's the beast from the earth, which is the false prophet. I want you all to know, during the end times, during this, the age of conformity, one of the ways of pollution and corruption is actually going to come probably from churches. You will see Christians, people who profess to be Christians, they will have a corrupted gospel. And I want to show you how that's going to happen. It occurs right here. And we have to be aware of what happens. Just because a church puts the name church in front of its sign or claims it's a church does not mean it's a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. I want to tell you, a Bible-believing church is a church that believes every word in this Bible. And then because of what God has given us in the 66 books, we go out and we live that way. We apply it in our life. We hold fast to it. But most importantly, we believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. No one else. There is not a side door to get saved. That Jesus is the only way is a non-negotiable. That means 
people of other religions or no religions or ex-religious people, whatever their, their identity is, they're spiritually dead. They're lost. The Bible says they're going to hell. They are separated from God. But we as believers are convicted. We hang to biblical truth. And that's the truth of Jesus is the only way. That's the story of the Bible. He's, he, the this message of Jesus, the salvation, salvation redemptive message, runs from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 22. But here is something that's going to happen. And something we have to be aware of as Christians. Look here. Revelation 13, 14. The Bible says here, It deceives, that's the false religious prophet here, false prophet. It deceives those who live on the earth. Those who live on the earth can be defined as two ways. The people of the earth are either those that were left behind during the rapture or lost people. So these are just lost people. Those that are still here, they don't know the Lord. They got left behind from the rapture. It deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs that it is permitted to perform in the presence of the beast. The beast is the Antichrist. Telling those who live on the earth, look at this, this is what's amazing, to make an image. This is the main verse I want to point out here. So the false prophet, this religious leader, goes and tells the people who live on the earth to make an image. What is the image? That word image in your Greek Bible, if you look, there's a footnote. There's a footnote in my Bible. It can also be translated a statue. A statue. Some of your Bibles might use that word. There's going to be this statue. Who made this statue? You want to know who made the statue? It wasn't the false prophet. The people made the statue. The people made a statue, and then they were to worship this statue. So I want to tell you all something. When we read about Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel and his three friends, and they refused to bow down to the statue, folks, that's coming here. One day, there will be a time where the people of this earth will make a statue. They will create some form of image. And we don't know what that image is going to look like. And the Bible purposely tells us because there's going to be a lot of deception. God gives us clues what it's going to look like. But He doesn't tell us exact detail. But one day, we will receive pressure to conform and worship this statue. Keep going here in your Bible. Last few verses and we're done. Verse 15, it was permitted to give breath. This statue comes alive, by the way. It's a special statue. To the image of the beast. So that the statue or the image of the beast could both speak and cause whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So the statue or this image is actually talking. And it makes everyone small and great, rich and poor, slave and free, to receive a mark on his right hand or his forehead. So that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. The beast's name... Or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. The Bible tells us we need to be wise. Meaning, if, you know what? When the Bible tells us we need to be wise, that means if you're here and this occurs, you need to be extra cautious and completely aware of what's going on. If the statue, if the image is talking to you, telling you to worship Him, we do not do this. 
we do not bow down and worship the statue. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, because it is the number of a person. The number is 666, the Bible says. What that number means, that's the number of man. That's an incomplete number. Seven, God created the earth in six days. On sixth day, he created man. That's man's number. The seventh day, he rested. Seven is the number of completion. Six is the number of incompletion. It's the number of man because we were created on the sixth day. So the number 666 means the number of man. Now, we do not understand what this number is going to look like, this image, this statue. But what we do know is there, a, there is coming a time in our life, and it's, it's already here, the, the seeds are being planted, that we will be pressured to conform and get in line with what is expected of us. It's like, and we see it all through the Scriptures. I want to show you, show you what I've just pointed out. It was in Sodom with Lot. He hesitated. This is what sin does. It has a grip on you. You don't even realize it. He couldn't leave the city. They had to grab his wrists and say, we're getting out of here because you're related to Abraham. And the Lord had compassion on him. We see it in the book of Daniel, 1,000, 1,500 years later. Nebuchadnezzar fires up that furnace and says, boys, when you hear that sound, when you're notified, you bow down and you worship the statue or you're going to die. And then we get all the way to the book of Revelation and we see it's coming for us. The people were told by the false prophet to make an image or a statue. And you all are expected to bow down and worship it. And then after you worship it, you receive this number of incompletion, this mark of 666. So what's going on here? I think what the Bible's telling us is that what prevents us from experiencing God, from knowing Him more and more, renewal, revival, whatever you want to call it, is this, this world, this cultural, this, this age, this demonic power that's all around us, that pulls us, that shapes us into who basically the devil wants us to be. And that is falling in line with everyone else. That's why Jesus tells us in Romans 12 too, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So have you, this morning, have you been transformed? Have you experienced a transformational renewing of your mind? Do you think different? I want to tell you, I can already tell you, when I told you that story of Sodom, that's about homosexuality. If you're in the back of your mind, you might not say it publicly, but you're thinking, well, but pastor, that was back 3,000 years. But times have changed. If there's a but in how you respond to that, that means your mind needs renewal. That means your thinking has already been corrupted. Because the Word of God is very clear. God has expectations for His people. We live in a sinful, fallen world. Nothing, the government, nothing our culture is going to do to make things better. The only transformation that can change our city, nation, and certainly the world is 
Jesus Christ. That is it. That is why it's so important for folks to get saved and turn to the Lord. That's what it means to be renewed by your mind. That means your thinking was once lost, it was warped, it was sinful. You're thinking like a lost man, and all of a sudden, you met the Lord, and you're thinking like a saved man. So this morning, I ask you, you know, we've had revival this past week. Has Christ changed your thinking? Has He renewed your mind? Have you turned from your sins and turned to the Lord? Maybe you didn't make a decision this past week, but you were on the edge of your seat, and you need to do so this morning. I would invite Brother Hurd to be up here, but he's at home. So I'll admit, Zach, I'm going to invite you to come up here and stand with me. You need to respond to the gospel. You know, we can have baptism. We might not baptize you today, but we can baptize you next week. Maybe you need to, you know, I want you to know, we, we baptized seven people Wednesday. Do you know seven people is the same number of people we baptized all of last year? And we did it one day. That just shows you our great revival. One day can match what we did the whole year. And it does, the number of seven baptisms we had last year, that's the most baptisms we've had in our church since 2015. That means just in the past year plus this past Wednesday, we've our church already baptized 14 people. That's more than double in past, since 2015. That's a revival. You're seeing folks saved, folks turning to the Lord. That's exciting to see that. That's that transformation that can happen. So I want you to be thinking about it. If you need to respond to the gospel, or you need to get baptized, or maybe your thinking is just warped, or you want to join this church, now is your time to respond to the gospel. I'm going to be standing down front. So we're going to stand together. David Dell's going to lead us in a song. Zach, you come down here and stand up here with me. And we're going to sing here a song. I don't know what song, David. We're going to sing this song, and I'll be standing down front, and you're to come take my hand. We'll pray together, and you make your decision public.